Welcome to the Single Lady Estates podcast. My name is Bobby Wasserman, and I'm the founder of Single Lady Estates. Thank you for spending some of your time with us. We are all experiencing the national housing crisis, and that is translating into higher purchase prices, higher renter prices, and changing zoning laws to allow for more housing. In fact, changing the zoning laws away from single-family homes to denser housing of apartments, condos, and mixed-use complexes was once seen as close to impossible. Yet, it is now picking up steam. California, Oregon, and Maine have all passed laws at the state levels to allow for denser housing areas, and many, many municipalities are looking into making those changes as well, such as Arlington, Virginia. Yet, there are many single-family home neighborhoods across the country that already have secondary structures built. Different areas of the country reference them by different names, granny flats, in-law suites, cottages, and ADUs. An ADU is defined as an accessory dwelling unit. So today we are going to discuss unpermitted ADUs and how to get those grandfathered in as legal structures and advocate for yourself in the process. For homeowners that have these really great extra spaces and then discover the headache of correcting any errors in the planning or permitting of those structures, that process can be a complete nightmare. Actually, a surprising nightmare given the feverish spread of these types of housing units. So I would like to welcome Eva Pepitone, a homeowner in San Jose, California, that found herself in this very quandary. Welcome, Eva. Thank you so much for inviting me to share our story. Excellent. Eva, let's start with you providing a bit of a background of you and your family and how you found yourselves in this situation. Okay. In 1984, going way back, my father-in-law purchased the home we currently live in, and we were renting it from him. There was an ADU already in the back, which he rented out to be able to balance giving us a little bit of a break so that I could stay home with the kids. He had a, a five-year balloon payment due, and it timed out perfectly. My son would start kindergarten. I could start working again. But in uh, January 1989, <laughs> I found out I was expecting another child, an unexpected blessing. <laughs> so <laughs> we worked out a way to purchase the home from him. And we continued renting out the cottage over the next 23 years as our children grew up. With that income, we could make the house payment, and we added a second story to make more room for our family. And in 1991, when we were adding on, my husband fell off our second story roof, mm. and he uh, had a brain hemorrhage. Oh, jeez. Fractured his skull, spine, hip, wrist, elbow, pelvis, and uh, we had a two-year-old and a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old, and he was unable to work for the better part of that decade. So I became owner-builder of the house, working two jobs, and ultimately, because of another issue entirely, I pulled my children out of school to homeschool them. So in 2013, a neighbor we don't know, and we have not asked who it was, reported us for having an unpermitted cottage or ADU. We received a letter from the county, and that is how we found out this ADU was not permitted. We immediately ceased renting it out and began asking what we needed to do. We had an inspector tell us that it depended on the amount of rebar that was in the floor. Another said that didn't matter at all, and it depended on simply applying for a permit. We were supposed to get paperwork, but never did. 
several things happened at that point, including my father began to have dementia. And we dropped the ball on this. And after he died in 2018, and my uncle, my sister, my aunt, and both my in-laws followed in the year and a half that followed, Uh, I reached out again to the county. I know. I reached out again to ask what we could do. A code enforcement officer said she had good news. She thought we could get a five-year delay of enforcement. All she asked me to do is write her a letter requesting that delay, which I did. So, Eva, I think the tricky part of your situation was being in an unincorporated area of Santa Clara County, which means you had to deal with county government as opposed to the San Jose city government. Can you talk a little bit about the differences of county versus city? Well, essentially, the city and county are just run by a different code enforcement department. And our county's department has a pretty bad reputation, actually. There are rules that apply to only county residents. Oh, interesting. The county pockets are sprinkled around within the city. And we just happen to live in a neighborhood that hasn't been incorporated. And it's only several blocks right here. So rules that may apply to our home do not apply to the house on the next block. So, you know, that is a really good note for people is that the difference between city and county services and government and the way that they monitor and enforce home regulations is different. So that's just kind of an FYI to our audience. Correct. When you talk about how the home went through some improvements about 25 years ago, but even in that process, there were no issues that were brought up? Actually, no. No. When the uh, second story addition was added, the county inspectors marked the cottage building as storage, so they didn't have to deal with it. Interesting. So I look at the plans now and realize, oh, that's interesting. They did that. But at the time, we were just trying to add a second story. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the fact that it was marked that way. And after my husband's accident, I really didn't ask questions. So anyway, the cottage was attached to the back of our garage. So we had a garage and then like an L behind it was the um, cottage. So let's go through the process. I think that the hardest part of the journey is starting. So what was the final thing that made you step outside this normal process of letter writing and going down to the Santa Clara County government? What made you step outside that process and really take this problem head on? In spring of 2022, because of some problems with my husband's health, we sold our company, which was a home inspection service, and began working with a realtor to sell our home to an investor who might be able to afford to do something with the cottage. Because the first thing the county does is to place a lien on your property, making it very hard to borrow money to fix the problem. Wow. So our realtor suggested calling the county code enforcement department to find out if the five-year delay of enforcement could transfer to a new owner, because we were only two years into that delay. So we were selling the house with a lien on it, which is perfectly legal. And no one knew about any five-year delay of enforcement at the county. And the code enforcement officer told me there was no way to make the building legal. It was the first time I ever heard that we had to tear the entire building down, which he put in writing. And um, I have his email that says, in red, tear the garage and the building down. Obtain a demo permit and demo the garage and unpermitted ADU dwelling in his email to us. 
I was very upset that that was the only way to fix the problem and that we had not been told that for the better part of nine years. So I wrote to my county supervisor yeah, and someone from his office arranged a meeting with the code enforcement program manager. It was a video meeting and it was a disaster. What happened? Well, he kept saying you had three years to go after the prior owner That was one of his things he said over and over. And we're 35 years in, and the prior owner was my father-in-law. So it's ridiculous. And he said, you should have had a home inspection. 35 years ago, those were not the status quo. So that was one of his other things. And then if I tried to respond, he went, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am over the top of me. Mm. He had our plans in front of him and kept referring to if you had only finished these plans and had them signed off. And I said, we did finish those plans and have them signed off. And he goes, well, that would make everything easier. They were the plans for our second story. There are no plans for the cottage. We didn't even know it wasn't legal. So it was just, he came unprepared. I was not happy. Mm-hmm. And it didn't end well. And so I just told him we wanted to move and sell the home and leave the county and let someone else handle it. We ended our call. And three days later, he wrote to us imposing a $500 a day fine on us for every day we didn't have the cottage resolved. <gasps> Whoever buys the property, that fine transfers to them. So we could not sell our house, in fact, at that point. Wow. We had talked to someone else who had a different issue, but the players were also local bureaucrats and politicians. And the higher-ups at the federal level didn't have an issue and were willing to resolve what her complaint was. But it was the local politicians and the bureaucrats that got their egos bruised and started jerking her around and making her life miserable just like you. If his heart is for this county, selling this home to an investor would have been the ideal solution to that problem for him. But instead, he trapped us here with very few resources, which I had informed him we were not wealthy people. Yes. And no way out, just adding to our burden with a $500 a day fine. So continue the story from this $500 a day fine. Right. So I I reached out to the county supervisor's office, a person who works with him. He wouldn't let me talk to the supervisor. He only would handle this. And he's the one who arranged the meeting with that manager. And then he was CC'd on every email from then on. And from then on, also, that code enforcement program manager is the only person that he wanted us only to speak to him about this anymore, not the code enforcement officers, nobody else. Eva, quick question. Sure. On that, was that helpful to you or not helpful to you? Well, it was not helpful to us because he wasn't helpful (laughs) in any way. So was the county supervisor helpful at this point once that, my hunch is that they were pretty surprised when this guy started imposing fines and refused to help? No. The county supervisor's office relayed to me that I should get a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. So- He was not helpful. At least there's a paper trail at this point of every conversation that uh, happened after that. 
I even Google searched the woman who was supposed to do the five-year delay, the code enforcement officer, and reached out to her and said, what happened? And she said, oh, there must be some mistake. I transferred out of that department and never followed up with you. (laughs) I'm like, that is a mistake. I mean, I assumed she did her job. So I did a lot of praying at this point. And I would take a few days. One of my sons, who's a project manager in tech, stepped in for me for a while because I thought that that manager disliked me and maybe disliked women because I asked him to stop calling me ma'am and he doubled down on the ma'am. So I let him kind of sit in on phone calls and handle some emails for a while. While I kind of recovered, I felt pretty overwhelmed by everything that had happened. So there's a lot involved. We hired an architect to write up plans to demolish the building based on the letter from the code enforcement officer. And then you have to apply for a J number for environmental reasons. And they come out and check for asbestos. We hired a plumber to cap the gas, shut the water off, submitted our demolition plans. We had everything packed up in pods. We were paying $700 a month. We have been ever since to store those pods because we thought we were moving. So... 37 days later, the demolition permit was still not approved when I had been told repeatedly it could be issued over the counter. Finally, we got an email saying, come pick up your permit. And the next day, oh no, there's a problem. If you tear that building down, you won't have covered parking. And the counties uh, that I live in requires covered parking. Really? Yes. Just for everyone's reference, uh, San Jose, California goes from maybe 40 degrees to 100 degrees. There's why you need covered parking. It's not like you're living in Maine. <laughs> no. And additionally, the city of San Jose does not require covered parking. It's just our county. Uh, it's that only requires. the county. Right. And if I walk wow. through my neighborhood, I can see many homes that don't have covered parking, but I guess their neighbors have not complained and therefore they're not in this mess. Wow. So I realized at this point that manager was not keen on letting us leave. He paused the fines at that point because they made the mistake, he said. Well, he never actually admitted that. He just said, I'll do you this favor. I'll pause the fines while you have plans drawn up now to build a carport to replace the garage you're tearing down that's attached to the cottage. And then every plan that our architects submitted, they did not approve it. Why? I felt like he wanted to punish us. I'm almost positive that's what was going on. Wow. Because every prefab unit, he's like, well, you have to apply to the company to get engineering specs, and that would be $10,000 or $15,000. And it was really awful. Yeah. So our sons went ahead and moved last summer as they had planned. And I didn't want the son that was helping us involved any longer because that is their fresh start. And I didn't want to drag him back into this. So I knew it was going to be up to me because my husband is not a rebel like I am. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, thank you. I reached out to a land use attorney and I informed the architect that we were very unhappy that he didn't know about the county codes because that's why we hired him. And we were using up my husband's small inheritance from his parents, and it was going fast, and we needed help. 
The land use attorney doesn't sue the county. I don't know if everybody knows that. Their job is to help the client comply with county ordinances so they can resolve the matter. Good to know. Yeah. So the land use attorney began communicating with the code enforcement program manager, and I was copied on everything. The lawyer worked with him, and he said they got along great. He's worked with them in the past. He kept trying to present ideas, and that code enforcement program manager would shoot those ideas down. Quick question before you go on. First of all, how much per hour was your land use attorney? I think it was $325 an hour. Okay. So at this point, you've got $325 per hour lawyer on this case. Yeah. But the fines of $500 a day were paused. But they had gone on already for 67 days. By the time we got the plans drawn up and then by the time they dragged out the permit for 37 days. Wow. So we had 67 days of $500 a day fines. So basically for $1,000 a day trying to fix an error there was no reason for this. No. Basically, my That's thought. Right. There's no reason for this. The guy didn't want to work with you. So I had written to other people. I wrote to my state senator. I Google searched highest office in a given county. And it said there's a county executive office. So I thought, I'm going to call him. But by that time, I was so nervous that I used another name. I was so afraid of retribution that I used a different name. And I talked to somebody, and he was the first decent human I think I spoke to at all in this whole process. He couldn't have been kinder. I confessed to using the false name, and he said, you don't have to worry about retribution. That's not how we operate. He was nice, and he said, keep me posted. So I did that. Periodically, I wrote him emails telling him, this was still going on. Can you believe this is still going on? (laughs) So my state senator then wrote to the program manager. Well, he wrote to the county executive office, but the person I was speaking to didn't see the letter, and he forwarded it to the code enforcement program manager that was blocking everything. That manager wrote to my attorney and attached the letter from the senator and stated he'd like to know how it could be his fault that this is taking so long. Our attorney emailed back a very civil reminder that a code enforcement officer had erroneously led us to believe we had a five-year delay and another had erroneously told us to tear the entire building down. The code enforcement program manager responded to this email stating he was nice enough to pause our fines and now he was reinstating them. Retribution. Right. So I reached out to my contact at the executive office and asked him what happened to no retribution. He asked me for a copy of the email exchange. Our lawyer had begun working on a plan to tear off the cottage portion of the building and restore the garage to its original carport status, bypassing the need for engineering, concrete pouring, etc., because it was part of the original structure. So I was contacted by the code enforcement officer who told us we could demolish the entire building after about a week of silence. Since my initial contact with his manager... The manager, the big boss, had taken our case over, so this was unusual to hear from this code enforcement officer again. He was very conciliatory. This was around Thanksgiving, this past Thanksgiving. 
He kept referencing management, calling himself my ally and my advocate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I finally asked who management referred to. And he said, with my program manager on indefinite leave and his boss on vacation, I will be handling this situation with my lead. Within a week, our fines were waived and our plans were approved. We were charged staff fees, and I have requested an itemized list of those fees, which I have yet to receive. The staff at the county continued to be obstructive at every turn when they had the option, as in our inspection went very smoothly and we were finished with all the work by early December. Our expungement letter was due in a week but took nearly four weeks. We took it to the county recorder the same day we picked it up and they misapplied the expungement to the wrong blot number. So our house still had a lien on it four weeks after we had the letter recorded. Unbelievable. So it ended up being our title company that found the error on the expungement letter being misapplied. So the person I had talked to at our county executive office called me and asked if he could introduce me to the boss of the person that had been so unkind to us. And he said during that conversation, let's face it, the program manager is a expletive and he is on leave for how he treated you. Then he paused and he goes, and others. <laughs> that was a satisfying moment. Ah, oh, excellent. Excellent. Good for you. You had also mentioned in a private conversation with me, this kind of led you to get involved in local politics. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, the county supervisor's office with whom I had been working, he was not going to run again. And there was somebody else running and I went Uh, to a couple of his town hall type meetings and listened to him. And I really liked what he had to say. So my husband and I started kind of canvassing for him. Because I really, I wanted to get our situation on his radar, but also just that that office was so punitive. I felt like he should know. And I have concerns that we have sovereign immunity covering all government employees in California. I don't think that's appropriate. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So you really, it's very difficult to sue anyone who's paid by a government paycheck, period. Because my husband left our home inspection company and went to work for the state, I know that's true. He's been told as much. So I thought my elected officials were supposed to help me as a constituent. I didn't feel like that was happening. And I thought if I could become personally involved with whoever was going to take the place of the county supervisor, maybe that would help. Or maybe I could help get a better person, a more proactive person in that position. So that is why I did that. And ironically, at his party that he had at the election night party, We went, and this gentleman and his wife were uh, looking for a place to sit, and we moved so they could sit at our table, and it turned out to be the sitting county supervisor and his wife. (laughs) So we actually got to meet him and finally tell him our story in person since his person at his office had not allowed us to speak with him. So that was an ironic twist also. (laughs) Interesting, but I want to just also take note for the listeners, that helped Getting involved helped. And it's not partisan issues. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. These are nonpartisan offices. 
and you want to get to know those people. Agreed. Agreed. And do what you can to help the people that you think truly want the best for your county or city, the area you live in. Yes. Fantastic. So I really want to emphasize this, that involvement matters. Knowing who the local players are matters. And we talk about this a lot here because everyone is so busy and it's so easy to think someone else is going to deal with it. If you really have a serious issue and need something done, that someone is you. And I think, Eva, one of the things, like you went through the normal process here and then you realized you weren't getting anywhere (laughs) and then you had to take a left turn. And then that goes up the political chain. Even like the state senator or people that are a little more removed from the situation, right? The state senator has a bigger area. You're a constituent. He's trying to help you. The bureaucrats in the county and local offices, their world is a little closer. Their egos are easier to bruise. So the way you went about this, even though it probably felt like kind of blindly going through a dark forest, it was so smart. I mean, I really hats off to you. Well, as I said, I am a prayer and I have to admit, I would kind of retreat for a few days and think about, and I, every letter I wrote, I put into my draft folder and sat on it because I thought I need to make sure I'm making the the best moves and not going rogue here and making everybody angry. What I wanted is as many eyes on this man's behavior as I could possibly get from all areas. I wanted them to know his name and not in a good way. So that was what I kept doing. Again, another note for everyone. It's really smart. Just sit on it for a while. Let your emotions go down. What's the goal? And then when you're calmer, you know, reread it, make sure it's what you want to say, and then send it. So I, again, hats off to you. Thank you. So what has been the outcome? I heard this was over. <laughs> it's over. Well, um, yeah, we put our house on the market. And again, I mean, it felt pretty miraculous. We had 180 groups of people come through here on our open house weekend. Wow. Um, It was crazy how, and we received 14 offers on the house, so we were able to recoup some of our losses that we put into this because we put a lot of money, all of my husband's inheritance went into getting this resolved, and a lot of our own money from before. So we are grateful that we are able to retire. I will probably have to work, but my husband can rest his poor body now. (laughs) (laughs) do some of the things he's always wanted to do. Nice. And, you know, what has surprised you most about this whole journey? Um, I was surprised about a lot of things. I'm surprised about the latitude and room there is within our government for truly unkind and perhaps even evil people. I was shocked um, that during those many months and emails, no one took the program manager to task until he retaliated against us for writing to our senator. It speaks to his sense of immunity that he thought he could impose fines on us for writing to an elected official. I really don't see enough checks and balances here. The fact that upon his removal from his position, it took one week to resolve an issue that he'd dragged on for nearly 10 months is really telling. Wow. That's, I'm just, I'm so sorry. And it's, I'm so happy that you agreed to share your story because 
That's incredible. So everyone should hear that loud and clear. So what could have taken one week took 10 months. We had talked to someone else that had an issue with the FAA, and that issue took her at the federal level three months to resolve, but years at the local level. Oh, my goodness. So it's one of those things of there's just got to be some more accountability, but you know, you got to stick with it. Correct. So what would be your advice if people find themselves in these types of situations? Well, I mean, I feel on one thing I want to say is I feel very blessed to have the internet <laughs> because I can't imagine how people dealt with this without it. I would say never give up. Never stop telling your story. Keep looking for answers. Keep looking for the good people that are in those systems that seem so corrupt. Uh, keep good records. I have a file on my computer with every email regarding the situation and a folder with every physical letter we received. And I made a timeline and I kept it updated throughout the situation. And also be respectful to everyone. Yeah. And again, you also made a really good point. Of, you got to be organized. I honestly, everything's in my computer from issues I went through and I have a hard copy of everything. So that really helps too. So when you're going to start tackling issues like this, please, please be organized, get everything documented. And if there's verbal exchanges, write them back. So per our conversation, blah, 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 blah. So you have it in writing. Right. So Eva, can you provide the top three to five things you learned going through all of this that might help others? Um, I think whatever your beliefs are, if you use intuition, I use prayer. It, I think relying on that, it brought me some peace. It brought me direction, showed me which way to go. I felt very strongly that I needed that balance to step back and bring myself into a calmer place. And it elevated my motivation. I knew when to do what that I needed to do. So, and I think it kept me on the high road. Um, and I have peace about that, as I said, even now. And uh, the, one of the other things is it's very difficult to find a lawyer to sue the government. They're very protected and there isn't much money in it. Mm. And I discovered uh, that you can file a tort claim. You can file your own sort of lawsuit to regain what you lost. I would say never stop searching. I looked for months to find out if there was an agency above the county supervisor's office. I'd never heard of a county executive office. I found newspaper articles about this department I was dealing with, found out about tort claims online. I found names of people I could write or call. I looked up laws. I looked up codes. I never stopped researching my subject. You have to know your subject. I second that. And that was so eloquently said. Whatever your beliefs are, lean into them. You're going to need them. Yes. So <laughs> thank you so much, Eva, for your insight, for your time today. This has just been great information and really inspiration for people who want to actually do the right thing or correct a past home error so that they can move forward and they find it nearly impossible to do. So hopefully we've inspired people to think about where they can start and not to give up when they decide to move forward. So are there any final thoughts you have and where can people find you if you want to be found? 
<laughs> I'm really grateful for the chance to tell this story at its completion, beginning to end. It is great for closure. It's a powerful reminder for, of our journey. Every experience I have been through is most beneficial when I can help the next person with their journey. I said that so often to the county executive person that I was speaking to that I don't want anyone else to have to go through this. So if anyone does need advice on this subject or any other that I've discussed, I'm happy to offer what help I'm able. I'm not on a lot of social media, but I am on Facebook as Eva Hill Pepitone. And my email address I can give out is it's momchicken. It's M-O-M. C-H-I-K-N at AOL.com. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Single Lady States podcast. To learn more about what Eva discussed and to join our community, go to our website at singleladiestates.com, connect and engage with our community, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. <laughs>